gather around the lamp and Aston Villa podcast. If at first you don't succeed, come back next year and try again. Aston Villa celebrates Hello and welcome to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast from underagaslitlamp.com, episode number 30, it's 30 something anyway. Uh, now, you'll need to uh, excuse me for not knowing what exact episode we're on as I'm not your main man, Regan Foy. Uh, regular listeners are probably tuning in right now and thinking, who is this geezer then? Well, I'm delighted to say my name is Ryan Pitcher, at Ryan Pitcher on Twitter, how original. And I'm here as an honorary guest um, of the show as Regan, alongside my favourite villain from across the pond, Mark Jarobi, are not available this week. But don't worry, we'll try and keep this as professional and on topic as I possibly can. And uh, the reason I-, I will try this is because I'm delighted to be joined by Dom Phillips, someone who I've worked with in the past and also delivered mm. podcasts with. Go on then, Dom, uh, give us a little intro. Um, well, hello, listeners. It's, a del- it's an honour to join you here f- uh, for the Gather Around the Lamp podcast. As my, uh, Ryan says, I'm at Dom Phillips CSGO. Dom Phillips, uh, me and Ryan work together at Heart of the Holt. We did some podcasts there. So it's great to be back on the podcast with you, mate. It's been a while. Uh, rejuvenating the old ties, eh? Uh, has been has been a, a while. In fact, before we crack on with all the Villa stuff, can I can I ask you something that I've always wanted to know? What does the CSGO stand for in your Twitter? <laughs> Counter Strike Global Offensive. It's the esports game. I also do freelance journalism on. Oh, right. I wish I knew you what you were going on about. Uh, anyway, let's crack on. As I'm sure the listeners are probably thinking, all right, what's going on here? Um, so let's get straight into it, the, the heart of it, the, the real meat of it, the abysmal showing at mm. the weekend at home to the Saints. Villa 1, Southampton 3. Now, I don't want to get stuck on this as we've plenty of reaction on the social sphere um, yeah. post-game, but where did it go so wrong for the Villa, Dom? In every facet, of every way, we've lost the last four games now, and it doesn't. It looks like we're regressing with every passing week. It's so horrible with the midfield and the fullbacks. I'll pick out because the way the midfield's so lightweight and so open and so easy to pass through, and the fullbacks always getting caught high and then the bomb down wide. It's just, it was just a game where we never really, we never looked like we were going to win against one of the worst teams in the league, and we were at home, and that is that is damning. Really, that is a damning indictment of the position of Aston Villa at the moment. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's fair to say before we conceded the first one, I think we could consider ourselves a little bit fortunate not to already be one down. What with that uh, mm. Shane Long header that he somehow put over uh, put over the top, which came um, after we made a bit of a hash of clearing our lines. You know, that first goal um, comes from a, a little hooked pass from Nathan Redmond in behind Engels, which Shane Long latches onto before his parry shot goes straight into the path of Danny Ings. You know. So this reminded me when I watched Engels just treading water in an attempt. <laughs> uh, the way he turned um, and, and sort of ran very slowly reminded me um, just the way he runs and and 
his 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 posture. It reminds me of a per murder sacker whenever whenever he faced anything. The Belgian per murder. It, it, it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. You know, um, our man, the Belgian, is good with anything in the air and putting his body on the line in terms of blocks. But if he's caught high up the park and a wee bit flat-footed, then we are in big trouble. The problem is in the Premier League. Why are you buying slow players? Like a right angles, he's an amazing defender, but he's so slow. The Premier League isn't the league for slow players. It's a very fast end-to-end league. And I'd, I'd, again, he's a good defender, but is he quick enough? We saw on Saturday that how slow he really is. I just say the Belgian Pernatasaka is a good, good comparison to make. <laughs> Next time you, I tell you, you are going to be watching him very closely. Just his mannerisms, just everything about him, his his presence, his mannerisms, his yeah. posture. It just reminds me of Mertesacker. And whenever he comes up with anyone against pace, I'm like, oh my god, oh my yeah. god. Um, you know, yeah. and 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 the second one, the second one. Oh dearie me, I think this is really poor. From Amwar, you know, Jack Stevens, he hasn't really had to leap to get one on him, really, has he? And he needs to be a little bit more aggressive aggressive in his, in his marking, you know. And, and I would argue that the team as a whole really needs to be a bit more uh, aggressive in the marking. And I think the telling stat is that we've conceded more headed goals than anyone in the Premier League this season. Yeah. And that's nine in total, and the most from corners with, with eight yeah. goals. What do you think it is? What do you think it is about us and defence? set pieces we just can't do it we, we seem to be stuck in this paradigm between do i want to do zonal marking like the best teams do because they're the players for it or do i want to go man for man and take those prisoners and we get stuck in between this thing where we, we just don't mark aggressively as we say we don't we don't have the confidence to go for these balls that we need to go for and as much as smith says oh it was mcginn's man who scored the header and mcginn was off i'm sorry it's simple when someone goes off someone covers for them that's basic schoolboy football. And it's really worrying that we just can't defend a set piece every time. I mean, imagine if we played against Conor Harrahan. We'd be screwed. We finished bottom of the league if we were against Harrahan on a set piece. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and and, and I, don't, I don't think it really... Listen, I've got no stat here, but um, I, I just don't think we're that much of a tall side. As soon as you take no, exactly. Wesley out, as soon as you take those two out, we've got no height in our team whatsoever. I, I think it was Chelsea. I recall... Um, Chelsea and uh, we had um, I see Tammy Abraham in the box a few times and I can't remember who, who we had on him but I, who was he matched up with I can't remember but can't it, remember. The, the height difference was insane I think it might have been Neil Taylor was Taylor playing like a, <laughs> it was someone very small <laughs> and I'm good thinking, old Neil Taylor I, oh, Jesus. I, I can't I'm remember thinking. as I say I can't remember but we don't have the tallest team I think it's clear no, to, to we don't have a single them. tall midfielder do we no, what team? No. Do, what team doesn't have a tall physical midfielder? Like, I'm not saying we should have kept Jedinak, but why? Why our midfield is so lightweight and small and thin and weak? I'll never know. Yeah, well, I think you touched upon it a minute ago in terms of set pieces ourselves. I mean, yeah. our set pieces are atrocious, so it's not it's not surprising. You know, I don't. Want, yeah, I bet I bet usual um, listeners are, are currently tuning in, and going, "Oh God, what what have we got here?" Because I know, obviously. Uh, I know Regan and and, uh, and Mark are usually quite positive, but the me, yeah. Slate, slate, slate. Jesus Christ, two negative Nancys now, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> and then, all right. 
So, I mean, we do have to dissect the game for a few moments, but then a few minutes into the second half, the final nail in the coffin is delivered as we afford uh, Nathan Redman far too much time to deliver a cross. Yeah. I mean, the, the cross itself was, was really poor. And for me, Nakamba, he just needs to put his foot on the ball. It's just a bit of a heavy uh-huh. touch, and it goes astray, straight into the path of Mings, who, to be honest, in this kind of form, he's, he's, he's not missing him. No, Ming's definitely isn't missing that, mate. You said I, said, I said Ings. I said Danny. Oh, of course, Ings, yeah. <laughs> I thought you said Mings. I was like, oh, yeah, Ming's great finish from Mings. I feel, bad, <laughs> I feel bad. I mean, yeah, when he got a striker in form, he's not missing from there. I feel bad for Nakamba, though. He's had a really good season so far, and I'm really impressed by him. But he just gets isolated in midfield, and he makes a mistake. Like, he gives a goal away, and it's just really unfortunate. But he's a really good player, and I hope it doesn't, you know impact him mentally you know i hope he has that mental resolve to sort of carry on playing forward because we saw with some of the goals it was the first goal when when it went in all the arms were in the air the the heads went and it was just like that's really disappointing to see from the villa side nothing like last year like rotherham away rotherham away last year our current team would have got beaten three nil because they wouldn't have had the mental resolve to stay in the game i firmly believe that very, very true. And it wouldn't surprise me um, if, if Danny Ings maybe got a call, um, you know, if he stays in this sort of form uh, for England next year, maybe as a third yeah. choice behind Kane and Tammy. Anyway, um, so finishing up the summary of the Southampton game, because, uh, you know, we do need to move it on. Uh, I'm going to call uh, uh, this little segment uh, Wesley Watch, as he's <laughs> still a hot topic of conversation among the fan base. Now, what did you make of his performance on Saturday then, Dom? I mean, it's it's a, it's hard to gauge Wesley's performance when he doesn't get any service. So in in that essence, I feel bad for him. I, I you know, I think it's so I think it's so hard with Wesley because I for, for I'll make it clear that I don't rate him personally, but he's obviously going to improve and he's obviously going to need service and he's obviously going to need time. But there's a lot of bigger problems in our team than Wesley. Wesley's just a scapegoat, but in reality, the whole team's got a lot of questioning to do. I don't think he's particularly awful. I think you know he. I think he's. I think against Norwich, I fancy him to grab a goal. To be honest, I fan, I'm fancy him to grab a goal against Norwich. Fingers crossed. We will come on to the Norwich yeah. game. On a personal note, I think he looked okay and he, he showed some nice touches when he dropped deep to get involved. But again, he had nothing really to get on the end of. Um, and I think this is more of a system issue, which uh, again, we will come on to mm. uh, shortly. But the fact is, he only had 37 touches in the game. And that shows that there's something fundamentally wrong, that we still can't get him involved in the game. So on to the next thing, uh, which which I'm sure we are going to touch upon uh, the the shape and the system uh, in this. Uh, now, uh, following the drubbing against Southampton and, and the recent displays, there has been, well, there is a small minority of Villa fans that yeah. maybe are starting to turn on Dean Smith a little. Now, where do you stand on this, Dom? Are you Smith in or are you Smith out? I don't really think that the Smith question is a binary question. For example, if Pep Guardiola resigned from Manchester City and said he'd work at Villa, we'd all take him, and that's a fact. And if you don't, and if you don't agree with that, you're denying it because that's a world-class yeah. manager. But would I sack Dean Smith now? I mean, who would I be able to get? The only way that I'd be okay with Smith leaving is, we, if, is if we were able to get a, a replacement that is far better and has a clear vision for the future. For example, the likes of Rafa Benitez. I, I, I would take Rafa Benitez at Villa. Because I think he's whatever he's very experienced. He's done the league recently. He's um, snapped Spanish. We'll get on with Suso. We'll know the European market well. 
So I, I think Benitez would be a great manager. Even though we'd never get him, I'd love Pochettino as much as, much as that's a pipe dream. I'd, I'd love him. But, you know, the thing is with Smith in, Smith out, who would you get? Because I don't think we'd be able to get Rafa away from China or Poch. There's no way we'd get Poch. It's, I, you know, it's not as easy as Smith in and Smith out, but he does definitely have a lot to be scrutinised for. I mean, I think I think what he did last season and the affection of uh, that, that he has clearly for for Aston Villa Football Club, I think that will afford him more time than most managers. Now, He's had more time than any manager in Villa's recent history because of how romanticised he is over last season. Yeah, but uh, on the on the flip side to that, you know, um, you know, it, he less than four weeks ago he signed a four and a half year deal. Oh no. Now, I think that tells us all we need to know in terms of the backing that he has from the board, and 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 that they will. They, 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 I'm sure they see him as a long-term appointment that they hope can take the club for, further. Now, in hindsight, um, I'm not sure as to why there was such a rush to get him tied down. And Great. me personally, um, I'd have been inclined to give him to at least the back end of the season, assuming that we were safe or possibly even the summer to see where we were at. But uh, you know, we've we've kind of made a bet. It's, it kind of reminds me of the the soul shot sort of thing when you know mm. and they handed him a deal willy-nilly and they could have just saw out the season I think that's what we should have done with Smith wouldn't you say yeah. I mean definitely he signed the new four-year deal on the 29th of November right mm-hmm. have we won a game since then or have we had the, the manager contract curse like Ola had <laughs> yeah it, I mean have we actually won a game since then in December. Uh, so we've lost four on the bounce, haven't we? Uh, yeah. So four. besides the Liverpool game, I don't think we've won a game since he signed the new contract. Yeah, I mean, when was the? Uh, so the the wow. Newcastle game was just before my birthday. That was the twenty fifth of November. Yeah, it was uh, the twenty fifth of November. The game. Yeah, and the Monday night, and then uh, then we played uh, United. Uh, so that would have been maybe. Wolves won it. Yeah, yeah so we lost to Wolves and then drew to United. So yeah, we haven't won a game since the 25th of November in the league, and that's nearly a month ago now. It's two days because we're recording this on the 23rd of December. That's yeah, bad. Yeah. That is very yeah. bad. Considering we've I played mean, the likes of you know Southampton. I, I don't. I don't think Smith does himself any favors in no. terms of, as the old saying goes, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Results now. Prior to, to the Southampton game, you know, I've said it, you know, on social media, I've said it when I do the radio, we'd look flaccid, uh, for want of a word, for a few weeks. Now, cast your minds back to Ch- Chelsea Leicester, <laughs> and Sheffield United and ask yourself, how much did we really create in four and a half hours worth of football? You know, despite scoring two goals in those three games, we created very, very little and shipped eight goals. Now, it's obvious to me um, this four-three-three formation just isn't working, and it's at these moments Dean Smith and the backroom team really need to earn their cross. Now, if it, if something isn't working, then they really need a plan B or a plan C. And at this moment, it looks as though we've only got one plan. And if it isn't working, then why are we persevering with it? Do you know what? I don't know why we're persevering with it. The 4-3-3, we don't have players for it. We don't even play a tactical 4-3-3. I don't look at our games and think we're a great tactical side. We just sort of pass and hope, hoof and hope. There seems to be, there doesn't seem to be any clear tactical understanding and planning between the players. And I think it comes down to the fact we signed 13 players from different leagues in the summer and different nations. And the gelling is an issue. I don't think we're tactically gelling. And I think we need to go to a five-at-the-back formation. And I'd say a 5-2-1-2. 
So I want for him to have Wesley and Trezeguet. Trezeguet's a good little runner, can make the runs into the channels, he's quick. Mm-hmm. I'll have Jack obviously behind as the number 10. And then Nakamba and Louise, or possibly a new midfielder, we'll talk about generally later on in the podcast. And then I'll bring Concer, Engels and Mings or Hawes, or Mings or Chester, to be honest, because Hawes has been awful the last few games, into a back five. Because that will allow Gilles Baron Target to bomb forward without being so worried about being covered at the back. And it'll allow us to still have a bit of a three in midfield. And then Wesley will have a strike partner, which is supposed to be the, ma- the you know the making of him. That's what we've always been told. Wesley, once he has a strike partner, will be a world beater. Well, we'll see, won't we? 4-4-2 is the way forward. 4-4-2 is an awful formation. So I think we need to yeah. go 5-2-1-2. I think it's just I mean, the best for our players in our system. Yeah, and I, 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 w- I, I would argue that it needs to change, obviously. I mean, 4-3-3 is an attacking formation. Let's make no bones about it. And you look at the teams of old that have played it with vigour. We're talking about the Ajaxes, the FC Portos, who, who have obviously dominated over in Portugal. And it's regularly used by some of the bigger clubs on the continent in Spain and Italy. And and, and obviously over here, most notably, perhaps been, being used by Liverpool in England. But, and, and City, it's a great system to use if you have plenty of the ball and have the players of capable of shaping yeah. up this way. But we're trying to do it like almost like a no frills way. It's, it's pretty simple. As you touched upon, Dom, we do not have the calibre of players to play this way. We don't have the calibre of players to play this formation. It's a, it's yeah. a high press and high energy formation. Now, in an ideal world, in a conventional 4-3-3, Wesley would have plenty of support and the wide attackers... Yeah, and 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 more to the point though that he he would have plenty of support, and the wide attackers would would seldom come back and defend. And in Villa's case, that would be El Ghazi and, and Grealish, seeing it has been played on on the left for the large part. Now the problem here is that it would appear that they are being asked to do both, both attack and defend, and that leaves the big man up top isolated. Now often El Ghazi's positioning is just all over the place. I watch him and he's like a rabbit in the headlights when it comes to tracking his runners mm. and, and putting in the defensive work. Now, in an orthodox 4-3-3, he wouldn't need to do this as, you know, it, it, it's, it's if the fullbacks get caught up the park, then your holding player, so where Nakamba somewhat, sometimes sits in, he drops into set, uh, the central defence and then your central defender moves out to stave off the threat from the flanks. That's mm. the purpose of the system. And then... In the middle of the pitch, as I've often touched upon, is there's just no balance. You know, I made a, yeah. a comment the other day that only Nakamba really knows his position as a holding player. And even he sometimes gets guilty of uh, being caught high up the park. And then suddenly we're just overexposed. Um, you know, for this system to work, we need to we need to be the ones imposing um, ourselves for the most for most of the game. But like I said, we, we're just not good enough. Just not good enough. Yeah. yeah and um I'd really like to make clear here, it's the fullbacks going too high. In a four in the four at the back formation, you can't play wing backs that play so attackingly. And not and not we can't do this four three three. We we don't have the players for it. It it, it blows my mind that he just won't change from four three three. I can't understand it. He's so stubborn, and that's one of his biggest weaknesses as a manager. He's stubborn. He won't drop his favourites. He won't change the team and he won't change the formation. He has plan A and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and, and I agree. I think the problem being is now is who knows what they've worked on in the, on the, on the training ground and games come thick and fast uh, now. And now, for as much as like you, is I'm not a fan of the 4-4-2. Now, the, the reason why I've recently suggested a 4-4-2 is because it's pretty, it, it, it's an easy system 
system for football clubs to adopt regardless. Yes. I mean, we grew up on it. And, and so everyone knows their positions in, in, in my view. And uh, I, I respect yours as well. I would play almost like a variant of yours in, in a three, five, two, you know, um, yeah. I would have liked to go into the season playing some variant of a three, five, two, you know, not only would Wesley have support in and around him, whether it be alongside him or someone playing as, as a number 10 role in a number 10 role close to him, it would enable us to quickly shift to a flat five at the back if under sustained pressure, but also spring quickly uh, whilst offering uh, plenty of whip for encountering as well. But, you know, um, it's difficult at this stage of the season. Games are coming quick and quick and fast. And and if they haven't, if they haven't worked on it, then what can we do? Um, is it a case of, you know, perhaps going to a four, four, two and just hoping it works until it gets a little bit more time with them in the new year. Well, I mean, won't four, four, two be just as exposed because we won't have the extra man in midfield to break it up. We'll be the right. same. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not as if, um, Al Ghazi and Trezeguet are going to play that deep and Gilbert and Target still won't attack. We'll still have the same problems with 4-4-2. We need the fifth centre-half to stop Gilbert and Target causing us to concede goals every week because that's what it is. Mm. I think I don't understand what you say about the games coming quickly and I, I think that's a very pertinent point. But I think at the end of the day, anyone can just say, look, 5-3-2. We're chucking a centre-back in there and getting rid of the holding midfielder. Jackie moving inside and one of the wingers is going up front. It's as simple as that. I think anyone can do that. And we can have our little weird variants of it if we want. But we need to do it. it should, we need to have this defensive solidarity. We're conceding more goals than anyone in the league at the moment. We conceded them left, right and centre. In eight of the last nine games, we've conceded two goals or more. And that is disgraceful. Yeah, that is really, really bad. Right. Anyway, um, right, Dom, it, we've got to take a short break um, where after uh, we'll be talking among many things. We'll be talking, obviously, about the, the McGinn injury and obviously uh, still with, with Mings out for, for another week or two uh, at least. And uh, we're also going to be taking a closer look at where the defeat to Southampton leaves us and how both Spurs and Palace can really help us over the course of the next week or so. Uh, we're also going to take a look at the huge Boxing Day clash against Norwich City, of course, and, uh, and, 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 and the few games after Christmas, and as well as the January sales. So uh, we'll see you in a mo. See you in part two. Hi, guys. Hopefully you're enjoying the podcast that Ryan and Dom have cooked up for you. Um, me and Mark couldn't make it this week, but thankfully at Under a Gaslit Lamp, we've got a, a huge team that will uh, step in when necessary. We should be back uh, in a couple of a day's time really for the the Norwich and Watford game discussions um we'd like to wish you all a very merry christmas and a happy new year um if that's from all of us at under a gaslit lamp uh and hopefully we'll be coming back to you with two villa wins up the villa Okay, uh, welcome back to part two of the Gather Round the Lamp podcast from under a gaslit lamp dot com, where you're uh, being hosted by Ryan, not Regan, and joining me we have Dom, not Mark, uh, filling in for the usual two. Now, um, before the break, um, we kind of uh, had to, to 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 put it to a a swift ending uh, going into part two, but uh, I really wanted to touch upon the uh, John McGinn injury. It looks like it's going to be out for three months now. How much of a difference, Dom, does not having Tyro Mings and now John McGinn uh, make? And are we really so reliant on, upon Mings, uh, McGinn and Grealish, uh, those trio of players? And if so, what does that say about our overall summer recruitment? 
Well, I mean, they're both huge misses, misses, obviously. I mean, it's good that Mings will be back fairly soon. Perhaps yeah. even, very, hopefully, hopefully, if he's ready for the Watford game or the Norwich game, that would be amazing. It's quite possible. I think we've seen how important he is with the way that we've been defending recently. He's a good leader at the back, a great organiser. We've missed him so badly. Obviously, McGinn out for three months is, is such a huge loss. I know he's been out of form the last few games, but we know what he can do. We saw it at the start of the season, how good he is, and we don't have any other, anyone better than him in our midfield. And that reflects our recruitment because our recruitment over the summer, has, uh, I've been really underwhelmed by it. I, I, I really don't think we've recruited well and it's quite worrying. We've got a few good players in, but not enough. And Grealish, Mings and McGinn, the holy trinity of Aston Villa Football Club, it just tells you all you need to know. Jack Smith always tried to say that it wasn't a one-man team, but it's become a three-man team this season. Yeah, no, I would, uh, I would certainly echo those thoughts. Now, over the past few weeks, Don, we've been looking over that right shoulder of ours, and and now we've finally dropped into that dreaded drop zone. The line has been swiped, and we're now underneath it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a three-point gap, and uh, peering over the fixtures, it would seem that Palace and Spurs uh, are the two teams that can really help us out between now. Oh and gosh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I sent you over the fixtures and uh, you, you see that it's, it's quite scary. Um, you know, you look at the fixtures for our relegation rivals. So Southampton, I've got Chelsea away on Boxing Day, followed by Palace at home and Spurs at home. And then Norwich have got us, obviously, and then Spurs and Palace. Um, and then obviously that's where it differs with, with bottom of the table, Watford facing Sheffield United away uh, and obviously ourselves and then, and then Wolves at home. Um, but yeah, they they could actually do us a do us a favour, really, couldn't they? Yeah, I mean, I've got a mate who's a Spurs fan, so I'll definitely be messaging him and saying, look, if you can do us a favour, beat Southampton, beat Norwich, that'd be great. But honestly, now that we're down in the 18th position, and you look at our next three games compared to those that we just listed, Norwich, Watford, and Burnley, those are so, we, we've got to win those games and climb out of the relegation zone. But what hasn't helped is Watford beating United two 0 that has not helped us at all. Watford getting that shot of victory under Nigel Pearson with De Gaia's gaff. It's just, if they start, if Watford start picking up games and climbing out of the relegation zone and Nigel Pearson does a great escape, then I honestly, oh, um, that's, it yeah. Could have, it could have been so much worse, to be honest, Dom. I mean, you saw the way that Norwich played against Wolves and you could say that they were very unlucky not to get, you know, three points, let alone a point, you know, from it. So, uh, so it could it could have been much worse than what it was. But I said before the Southampton game that we needed six, seven points really from from the three. Uh, so now we're leaving ourselves with with Norwich and Watford um, before, you know, obviously Burnley on on New Year's Day. Really, I'm I'm saying it. I'm saying it. We we need six. I mean, Dom, how six. just Very how nice. big is this game on Thursday against Norwich, and and what do Nine. we need to see in order to get a result? I mean, the call game's a six-pointer, but this is more than a six-pointer. It's I'm not confident on the results at all, though. I, we need what we need to do is we need to source our defence because Timu Pukki and Todd Cantwell will have our defence on, on a puppet string. What we also <laughs> need is Tyro Mings to resurrect himself from the hospital bed and just play. And um, we also need uh, a Christmas miracle because right now oh, like, we don't uh, look, we don't look like we could finish our dinner, mate. Honestly, I've, I've just got only Jack looks like he could score. I've got I've got visions of Tyro Mings in a hospital bed, almost kind of like, you know, wait, Undertaker from WWE. And, and, yeah, exactly. And, and like the <laughs> Return of the Mings. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, that was very great. Imagine uh, uh, we, we thought he was injured the whole time, and then at half past two, he just runs out to warm up in his full kit, starts doing his stretches, 
And then as he goes, it's Tyro Mings, and the Undertaker <laughs> music plays. Dean Smith comes out running his fist pumps, and we think, oh, we're staying up now. Mings is back. Come on. <laughs> and then we get tonked. <laughs> uh, and then, then we get trounced 3 0, and he pulls his hamstring in the first five minutes. Oh. Uh, I've just spoke that into existence now. I'm going to retract <laughs> that. I've spoke that into existence. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely, I, I can't see him being ready. I mean, I, it scares me what with his, his, his uh, obviously historic, um, you know, issues that, that he's had. Um, it really does scare me. But you touched upon uh, Todd Cantwell, who, who, to me, looks an absolute player. Now, most things go through him. So it's imperative that we, as you say, uh, keep tabs on him and, you know, you look at, uh, wow. I'm sorry to say it, you, you look what happened to the Belgian uh, Murta Saka on Saturday, <laughs> from what, what what Long and Ings did to him. And, and, on Sa- yeah, and I, I'm sure they'll be looking at that. I'm sure they'll be looking at that. And I'll expect uh, uh, Tim Puki to, to edge his bets and stay close to him and, uh, and use his pace to, to, to get away from him, don't you think? Cantwell's just going to be jogging down the right or jogging down the left because your Baron target will be up in no man's land and he'll cross it in. Pookie will get 10 yards ahead of Engels. He's got his walking stick out and he'll smash it past Heaton. He says <laughs> we need to not let our heads drop and then all of our heads drop and we lose 3-0. That's what I can see happening. But, you know, I do like Tom Cantwell. After all, he get, he's in my FPL, so I can't, you know, I've got, I've got to have a bit of respect for a bit of Tom Cantwell. Got to love the FPL boys, but no, he, he's, he's a great young talent. You know, if Norwich go down, I'd, I would, I'd have him down the villa. <laughs> I'd have him down the villa <laughs> any day of the week. Any yes, day. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. So are we saying that uh, a repeat of the 5-1 hammering we gave them at Carrow Road is, is too much to ask then, Dom? <laughs> I mean, I said that with a straight face. <laughs> but well done. I, I I couldn't manage it. No, we're we're gonna lose. I'm saying. Oh, I was thinking God. two. I was thinking two now, but because I said earlier in the podcast that Wesley will get a goal. Um, yeah, we'll say I'll say two one. I'll say two one to Norwich. You know what? Cookie and Campbell to I, score. I was just about to ask you for your prediction, and obviously you've given it already. And, and I jumped thought... the gun a bit. I jumped the gun. No, no, honestly, it's fine. And, <laughs> and, and, and as host, I, I, I would usually say that I'm allowed to abstain from giving my verdict. But I feel that we need an injection, an injection of positivity here. Um, otherwise, we will, and Mark. Given... <laughs> we will never be given this gig again. Um, <laughs> it never... Get us off this podcast. We're too negative. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm, I'm going to go with a repeat... Of the October <laughs> hammering, I'm going five-one, and I am going to put a fiver on it. Who's I am putting money on it. Who's scoring five goals for Aston Villa? No. Unless I'll Jack really scores five goals, there's no. Who else looks like scoring at the moment? Wesley. Like, Fine. Wesley. All right. <laughs> he'll, he'll get one. Five. Oh, a hat trick for Wesley and two for Jack. Then yeah. Just <laughs> keep the carrot, claret, and blue tinted glasses on, mate. <laughs> I tell you what, though. If you put a fiver on that, you'll probably get about 50 quid back or something. So, <laughs> no, I'd be, oh no, I mean, that'd be ridiculous odds. I mean, I haven't looked at the what the what the betting's saying, but that's at least 100 to one in it. Five one, I'll, I'll have to have a little look into that. So, anyway, we digress, we digress, we digress. Let's move on. So, the final uh segment of the show now, after Christmas. Uh, football clubs up and down the land will be doing exactly what we as consumers do and hitting those January sales. Now, only in football 
Um, it, it's men that are the commodity as opposed to uh, some knocked off label that's uh, now out of season fashion wise. Uh, BBC Sport today have said, Dom, uh, rather than lo- losing faith with Dean Smith, I can hear you laughing here. What? what- You're out of control with your shopping analogies, but. Let's move on. Let's move on. BBC Sport, Dom, have today stated that rather than losing faith with Dean Smith, the club's hierarchy are keen to strengthen his squad. So, in your opinion, where do you think we need to strengthen and be positive as possible? All right. Am I allowed to say everywhere while being positive? Because, I mean, we, we, it's agreed we need a striker to give Wesley competition. We've said that since the season. We need a striker. I'd personally like a loan with option to buy for Giroud. And if not, if we can get him, then obviously Batshuayi would be better. Um, elsewhere, I'm not too... not too, not, I don't know all my European players. So, I'm, you know, all the yeah. football nerds can help me out, help me with the scouting on that. Um, we need a winger, definitely. A Jared Bowen or a Milot Rashica, Saeed Benrahma. They're my top three. I'd like, I'd like one of them at the club. Um, yeah, I watched I'd, that Rashica. He's a good player. Yeah, he, he looks. A, he, he does look a, a sort, and they're struggling at the minute in the Bundesliga, mm-hmm. aren't they? But it's Verde Bremen, isn't it? That yeah. He plays. We need. Yeah, he's, he's a good. He's a shining star on a very poor side, so he might be tempted to move. Um, in midfield wise, honestly, I think we needed a midfielder before McGinn got injured because besides McGinn and, and Nakamba, who for me are ever presence in midfield, now that we're putting Jack out wide, you've got Louise who isn't ready to start every week and is often going invisible. Harahan, who whenever there's not a set piece on, doesn't know how to play football. And Lansbury, who wasn't good enough in the championship. So I, I think, we, and especially with McGinn's injury, I think we need one midfielder, possibly two, uh, to go with Nakamba, because definitely one with a bit of physical quality, a bit of aerial quality, who can make our midfield a bit more bullying, a bit more bossy. I would like someone with a bit of experience, as well, a bit of Premier League experience, because I do think we lack a bit of that in the um, dressing room. And then, even, and then at if we need a defender, then we need a defender. If we do need a defender, I'll get a left back because I don't rate target, especially yeah. defensively. And I think he's too slow. But I've seen a few say about getting a left back. And I just think, you know, I I know what people are saying. And I know what people are saying. And, and you know, target has been very un- unimpressive recently. I think he, he, you know, I watch him and he, and he ball watches an awful lot, you know. Yes. But um, I, I just feel that, I, I understand where people are coming from. However, is we don't want to kind of get, yeah, I mean, that would be three left backs. Um, and obviously we've got a house that can play there uh, as well yeah. if necessary. I maybe, think we there, then. Maybe. maybe we should try house there then because Ta- Taylor is, is, is useless. He was used I still the have nightmares. I still have nightmares. I still have, yeah, <laughs> Neil Taylor. It's just, okay. it's just whatever well, Jack... I have nightmares about Neil Taylor, but I have nightmares about Courtney House <laughs> and his debut that he made at... Was it at Brentford? Wigan. Wigan away 3-0, wasn't it? When he come on... Oh, as the, sub. It, was he oh. left back? I thought. Sorry, I thought it was Brentford away, was it? Was it, was it I think, Wigan? I, I, think, it was, I think he made his debut in one and then started... His first start was the other one. I don't know. Oh, dearie me. I'm, I'm, yeah, uh, I mean, he had a bit of a baptism of fire, didn't he? But the thing yeah. is with Neil Taylor, it's just you'd always watch Jack Grealish play a ball down the left. Taylor, and you're like, cross it, Tommy's there, and then he checked back onto his right and passed back. <laughs> oh, you know he's gonna do it every yeah, time. It still frustrates <laughs> <laughs> you. He's, he's useless, Taylor. He's, he was in the championship. I love him because he's just a bit funny because he's that bad. He's like a pity figure. 
But yeah, he, he, he needs to get gone in the summer and we need to get a new left-back in to, in to put target back because when Smith says there's an England left-back in the making, there's no other word besides delusional, to be honest, for that. I mean... <laughs> sorry, but, I'm sorry, but it's, it, it's, that is delusional. England left-back, Matt Target, <laughs> slow, he can't defend. And as you say, ball watches, that's all the things that a left-back can't do. To be fair to him, he needs to play at wing-back. But that ain't, that ain't our fault, is it? I'm, I'm, calling, I'm calling the shots in the... Um, I'm calling it as I see it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no. And, and to be honest, I, I think sometimes, you know, um, it's, we, get a, we get a bit of a hammering for, for, for being overzealous, maybe negative. But, you know, to, to me, it's speak what's on your mind. At the end of the day is, exactly. you know, I, I, I say things in jest and, I, and I'm sure you do. We joke around. Exactly. Um, but ultimately, we're saying what's on our minds. And, and, you know, we're not here to be, you know, I, I've had people historically that, you know, have abused me for being negative or or, or jovenile and, and jokey about the subject uh, 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 that you know that we, we're talking about. Here. We're talking about Aston Villa Football Club. We both love Aston Villa Football Club dearly. Exactly. But, At the end of know, the day, we are both paying fans who hmm. get, have put money into the club throughout our lives, love the club, emotionally invested, working our spare time on the club. Both of us in the media aspect of it, and their footballers on however many thousand pounds a week. And we are allowed, as fans, to have our opinion of them. We don't yeah. hate any of the people. We're talking about them as players. And if we're not allowed to criticise players, then the football's a dying sport. Because as fans, what drives the debate is what's going on on the pitch. And if you can't have opinions about what's going on on the pitch, and I just have a bit of a laugh and joke around it, then, you know, the game's gone. Well, we'll totally agree. We totally agree. Going back to the, the subject in hand now, you know, in the January transfer window, I've got to be honest, my, my personal take on it is I'd be tempted to go in for, for loan deals on, on yeah, players that definitely. maybe aren't getting much game time at the, the current club. And I think, you know, you covered, I mean, I'd say someone like a, a, a Mitchell Batshuayi, we've seen what he can do in Belgium uh, for standard league and in the French league with Marseille. And, you know, it's not exactly worked out for him at Chelsea, but perhaps he, he could be the answer. Now, obviously, he's not adverse to joining uh, a club that are in uh, that are in trouble. Obviously, last season, he uh, he ended up at, at Palace and he, he scored a, a handful of goals. I think he only made about a dozen appearances. But And then you've got, I still think that we are lacking. Um, we, are, we are lacking in multiple places, don't get me wrong, but... Um, I, th- I still think we're lacking in, in wide creative players. And yeah. I think someone like a, a Jordan Shakiri, uh, who Ooh. isn't really getting game time at Liverpool, could be an answer. That's a brilliant shout, that is. I don't know if we get him, but that's a brilliant shout. Jordan we Shaqiri, need some... what a player. I, I, I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong, as I, I would love him. Now, by all means, we could try and, and go and get these players like, you know, we're obviously we're often being linked with Jared Bowen from Hull and Saban Rama from, from, from Brentford, who's, uh, who seems to be attracting uh, clubs. Um, uh, you know, Spurs now. Uh, Spurs and Spurs, Chelsea yeah, after a but but realistically, Dom, can we just keep on chucking money at it? And, no. You know, if, if the worst was to happen and we were to go down now, we don't really uh, want to be um, adding to our wage bill, really. I also don't know where that would leave us in terms of financial fair play. I mean, to be honest, Dom, I've given up trying to work this out as I still am none the wiser how we were judged to be above the, the threshold, so to speak, whilst we're in the championship. So um, we really don't want to be pushing our luck. What, 
what what do you think? Do we go down the loan market? Do we do a little bit of both? I mean, we could end up spending two hundred million and still going down. I mean, that would yeah. be incredible. Well, I mean, I know I've just said earlier about I want these players, I want X, Y, Z, and they'll all cost money. But you, you do make the pertinent point that financial fair play is a worry. Now, I would add that our chief executive, Christian Persler, was one of the main people. He was one of the architects of FFP. He knows this system inside out. He's one of the biggest FFP experts, and he's running our finances. So I feel safe from FFP, but I wouldn't be surprised if we dipped into the lower market. And I just say, Batshuayi, Giroud, Shakiri's a brilliant show. You know, we use the loan market. Some of our best players have been loan players in the past few years. We have to use the loan market. We've managed to get options to buy on that, and we need to use that. We need to, we need to exploit that because they've helped us in the past year or so. And I don't, I don't know why we strayed from it in the summer. Oh, can you imagine, though, Dom? Can you imagine, right? If we imagine, imagine this scenario, right? So in January, for whatever reason, we choose to go and spend another 50, 60 million, right? And that would push our spending up to, let's put this into, into real terms money, uh, not including wages, just transfers alone. That would put it up to almost one fifth of a billion in two <laughs> transfer windows. Oh right, hang on. Goodness. And then we go down. Can you imagine all of those Fulham fans? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. All the Wolves fans, oh, Burt Blues yeah. fans, Albion oh fans. Albion. Oh, God. Oh. No, that would be the worst thing. Well, and then I uh, don't. What, what would happen then? Jack Grealish would go. John McGinn would go. Oh. Tyrone Mings would go. That when those three players leave Aston Villa, that I, I was I was on a radio show last night, and I said if Jack Grealish goes, we were on about in January, but if Jack Grealish goes this this calendar year, well, yeah, if he's going January 2020, I'll count it as the decade. But I said. It would be the worst moment of the decade as an Aston Villa fan. And I know that's a bad thing to say, given we've had a bit of a torrid time this decade. But I honestly think, because of how positive we've been and how integral it is and how much we love him, if we were to lose Jack now, oh, that, 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 that would break the heart of Villa fans. It would break yeah, I mean, the team's resolve. It, it would break the club. Yeah, it it, w- it wouldn't happen in in January. I mean, I, I mean, I, I spoke to someone at work about this recently, and they were giving it large. I think, yeah, I think it must have been a United fan. Um, don't know really uh, what they give it large we, about. Top yeah. six fans, we can have every player that we want. No, you can't. Shut yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they were they were talking about Grealish and and such, and you know maybe having him in January. I said, look, he won't go in January, and absolutely categorically, no way. Um, you know, I, I, even if we went down, I don't think he would really want to leave. But he would have almost no choice. Um, you know, it, it, I, I I genuinely listen. If we went down, for example, I, I pray to God that we stay up. But if we went down and he was to remain a Villa player, it would be an absolute miracle. He would he would go. He said last season, didn't he? he? Said if we don't do it this season, I'm going to have to go for the good of my own career. And in a way, and in a in a way, as a Villa fan and a human being, I'd want him to go. Part of me would want him to go because he's a Villa fan. He, he's from Solly all the way over. He's he's one of ours, and I want him to go and succeed and get to the top. And we love him so much. I want him to do the best for his own career. So while um, I'm obviously Villa through and through, a little part of me just just want Jack to do what's best for him because you know he's my favourite football player. In my head, I've kind of got, as you're saying that, I've got kind of like culture club. Do you really want to hurt me? Oh, Playing in do you really want to? Oh, oh, don't. I can't do it anymore. I just can't do it. I, that would I be... 70s depressing pop music if Jack Grealish <laughs> went. Sounds like a great idea, mate. <laughs> 
I'm a little bit older. I'm not saying that I was I was born in '87. I think yeah, that would have been more '80s. But I, uh, 80, I just sorry. had that. I had that vision in in. I just I was playing it, in my, and I just had to. I was almost crying here. I was almost crying. It's now listen, we're, we're running out of time, Dom. Um, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to, to to wrap things up. It's been absolutely top draw speaking oh, to you again. And as I say, people out there. Don't think we're just, you know, we've had plenty of laughs, haven't we, Don? We've had plenty of laughs. Definitely. All we can do, all we can do is entertain. We're entertainers at the end of the day, just in the media industry. Exactly, and uh, yeah, and 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 I say, just take it all with a with a pinch of salt. And uh, I hope you have enjoyed listen uh, listening. And it's been a pleasure, as I'm sure Don would uh, would agree. It's been an absolute pleasure to do. Uh, uh, what you're saying, Dom? I'm sure you've enjoyed yourself. Yeah, I'd, I'd, first of all, I'd like to extend thanks to uh, obviously Regan and Mark who usually do the podcast uh, for allowing me and Ryan to come on here and fill in for them in these times. So it's been it's, it's honestly been a pleasure to come back on the podcast and obviously come back on with Ryan and to uh, get back on the Villa podcast. It's been great for me. Yeah, so I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed doing this show and I hope that the audience have thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, make some feel very very festive. I hope everyone has a great Christmas. Obviously, Merry Christmas and uh, keep yourself safe and just remember. It's Christmas, so don't worry too much about the football. Spend some time with your family because that's what Christmas is all about. Exactly, and there, and there are bigger things than football, as they say. Now, exactly. um, as, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to uh, uh, um, join Dom in that as well, and I'd like to wish all the Gather Round the Lamp podcast listeners a splendid yeah. Christmas and a very happy that. and prosperous new year let's just hope that things start to turn for us on the pitch now it's ciao for now and up the villa <laughs>